Welcome back, dear listeners, to Probably Vopolitics. This episode, as you know, we now have so many segments. This episode, main segment, Iran. Kaylee, what do you mm-hmm. think about Iran? One word. Uh, That's a good word. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to open with some good news this week. This episode, this bye week, we're going to talk about carbon emission, taxes. Good news, right? Yeah, I mean, in I think that this is fun because normally we say these words, and that's not a good thing. But we're 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 playing with it. We're twisting hey, it. Taxes are always good. Yes, I mean, I uh, <laughs> believe that we should pay our taxes, <laughs> but I don't think people are like, you know, what's gonna be fun and make me feel good is uh, paying my taxes. And I think that's a matter of perspective. I really I really vacillate wildly between being like, no, people should be taxed more and I should be taxed more even though I don't make a lot of money. This would be great. And like all the way to no, taxation is theft. And like depending yeah. on my mood that day, I'll just say one of those things and pick that as my stance. I also think it's like also like how far am I from actually having to pay taxes? Yeah. Like, like if I don't have to pay taxes for like two months, then I'm like, yeah, taxes are great. The public transportation works and I go to the library all the time. <laughs> And then, like, I'm, like, you know, depositing money, and I'm, like, fuck. <laughs> hey, uh, PSA, it is uh, mid-February. Uh, Start looking into doing <laughs> your taxes if you are in Canada. <laughs> um, then we're going to talk about uh, Iran, which is having an election, despite being mm. a semi-democracy. We've covered Iran previously on the pod, which I love being able to say now that we're in our fifth year, and most election cycles are yeah. four years. Uh, back in 2016 so we have a follow-up did our prediction come to pass it did not but after that we're gonna jump (laughs) over it never does it just never does (laughs) to uh what's going on with secretary general of the united nations antonio gutierrez and from there crowd favorite space news space news news from space all i have is one guy calls me (laughs) he is on the international space station and he yeah. lets me know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, Alex has to go to the payphone on the corner. and Yeah, I mean, they're cutting funding all the time to space programs. <laughs> so <laughs> you have received a collect call from... And then he tells me what I'm talking about this week in the little section where he can say his name. Oh, I could have talked about for space news, uh, extra space news. There was an astronaut that just came back from like the longest consecutive amount of time in space this week. But oh, yeah. not what we're talking about on the pod. Anyway. good news what's going on with carbon emissions all right well um i i said this to alex before and he was like whoa so let's hope i will you don't have to bring the same same energy yeah yeah okay so 2019 global co2 emissions have plateaued wow absolutely i was not expecting this as news and it is wild to me yeah now i mean it's like it's it's not like oh we're (laughs) safe by any by any measures but a sort of a confluence of things have occurred and this year only 33 billion metric like we're we're stable at 33 billion metric tons um, which is roughly the same amount as 2018 which is a lot it seems like a lot tied for the second most ever (laughs) yeah but we didn't we didn't keep going um and it's it's like it's interesting like the 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 um what is the acronym the international energy agency says that this is this is grounds for optimism um who 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 works for the international energy agency how do you get that job fatih birol is the director of the iea i i don't know Uh, i didn't google a lot about 
like who's working for them we should start something like that we are the international podcast agency (laughs) podcast reached an all-time high last year with so many people having their own yes yes there are there too many who knows have we plateaued not yet (laughs) we are not Uh... a podcast Uh, and it's like it's largely down it's so they're like there's a few reasons that this happened one big reason um is it was a little uh more moderate in some uh in some parts of the world so usage of things like uh heating and air conditioning was lower that is one factor another factor is uh, a lot of renewable energy sources have sort of started to peak um in developed countries uh nice. so so the so in theory like in independency on like coal like despite uh it, it it like highlights like despite the fact that donald trump really wants to bring back coal industry that's really not actually happening um and a lot of uh again a lot of renewable energy sources are becoming more prevalent it's gonna bring back coal um, and make coal pay for it yeah uh the u.s's uh total decline was two point two point nine percent or one <laughs> 140 million metric tons <laughs> call back to so, last week if i speak the u.s will decline <laughs> <laughs> but i and then like also like uh the eu the eu is a big player so hmm. it, it's mostly developed countries are now sort of offsetting uh, a lot of developing countries which is um a, is an important part of like uh not that we have in any way really reached it, but equality in transitioning away towards a green economy and off CO2 is that probably developed countries should lead and uh, developing countries who are, you know, uh, will it'll take a lot more and who are benefiting from what we have, what developed countries have always benefited from uh, by being able to burn high levels of greenhouse gases, uh, letting them continue to have some of those benefits and, and make gains um and and ease into the transition but countries like india also uh their output fell as well um so just generally um countries are sort of starting to make transitions the the big point that they like make is that you know we can't just have this be like this has to be like a steady plateau it just can't be one year's plateau and then we take soar off again so huh but hopefully Hopefully the development of technology is a good thing. Wow, good news. Yeah. Wow. From last week where it was like mediocre news from both of us, this week, (laughs) whoa. Just into (laughs) Arden being a robot, although very cool, this is good news. (laughs) Yes, I think hopeful news in some ways, yeah. All right. Well, this, my, I should have gone first because my news is not so good. (laughs) (laughs) like it's good news but like i'm gonna try and give you the same energy you say it and i'll i'll say wow all right it's not even news like it happened four years ago (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's just like it's just like hey pay attention to like normal good things happening um Mm -hmm, so i saw this in the context of comparing it to or kind of explaining it in light of stances of Mm -hmm. democratic uh presidential nominees and candidates uh, in the mm-hmm. United States, which we don't talk about at all. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a Vox article uh, and actually a podcast that they'd done about um, the Canadian child benefit or the Canadian child tax benefit that some people might know it as. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And how 
when it was when it was like designed in 2015 mm-hmm. when the liberals were before justin trudeau was prime minister he was like we're gonna uh, uh lift 300,000 children out of poverty and mm-hmm. within a year 280,000 children lifted out of poverty okay like for, like for real actual i mean like okay lifted out of quote that's, unquote poverty that's amazing like there's a that is arbitrary great. line drawn of where poverty yeah. exists and now like they were below it and now they're above it but hey that's 300,000 kids i mean the country's mm-hmm. only 36 million people that's like one percent of the entire country Mm-hmm. of just children but i mean also their adults right yeah <laughs> their parents i should say not their adults yeah they should in theory benefit <laughs> they from are that. also yeah and so i thought it was actually really cool and the, it in, is in, in the podcast um they kind of talk about uh they talk to a, a few different families and they talk to a researcher about it and how mm-hmm. um i remember at at the time a lot of conservatives were talking about how this is, you know, really stupid thing to do because all you're going to do is, you know, the quotable quote was you're just all these people are just going to go spend 25 bucks a day on beer and popcorn was the quote. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And it turns uh, out bad person. that largely when you give parents who are struggling and who have children money, they spend mm-hmm. the money on their kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, great. And I mean, they spend their money in ways like being able to afford healthy food or being mm-hmm. able to have their kid have like a babysitter so they can go back to school and get a mm-hmm. better job or they can buy their children new clothes or they can put them in swimming lessons and like mm-hmm. just by and large just it really helped i mean yeah. who knows okay people are going to complain oh well you know you had to raise taxes to afford this or whatever or there's a bigger deficit you know what shut up this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the researcher that they were talking about said, you know, for about every dollar that you put in in these investments into children, you get mm-hmm. five or more dollars back from children okay. being able to go to better schools, get better education, their parents being able to have an education, and then they go on have they're exposed to less crime have fewer problems spend Mm -hmm. there's fewer uh health problems because parents are now less stressed just like across the board you're a poor parent and you get more money you're happier and things are better everywhere (laughs) Uh, and i think yeah it's like i don't it's like very like it's the the problem of like if you 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 want like you know you can intellectually know that this is true but the payoff isn't immediate like and and you see the bad story so much faster, right? Like the story of the one parent who got this tax benefit and for some reason didn't do that. But like yeah. that's one parent out of the you know. There's always an anomaly in a in a general trend, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. So hey, almost three hundred thousand children now get to eat broccoli instead of whatever crappy food. Yeah. That that was a very good. I like that. That was good. And it actually happened in one both... year. They were like, hey, tax benefit, boom bunch of people got money because if you just straight up give people money you can know what the outcome is going to be (laughs) anyway yeah moving on yeah yeah we do have to move into something that might not be as happy hey kaylee they're having an election nobody knows and that's something no it's in iran yeah iran's been in the news a lot yeah Uh, we're not going to talk about their election no you look up iran election and it's all about how the united states is not going to let iran meddle in their election this time (laughs) but guess what iran's having their own election yeah 
Uh, so let's uh, not meddle in that either, I guess. Well, I well we're going to meddle in it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's meddle in it. Let's go. <laughs> so Iran, you may think, is not a democracy. It is kind of a partial democracy. They have some mm-hmm. unelected positions. I mean, okay, so the Ayatollah. Okay, Kayla and I were trying to debate whether or not we're going to talk about the structure of... <laughs> Iranian <laughs> politics and we're gonna have to right away so yeah there's a legislative branch which they have like mm-hmm. a house of commons it's called the consultative assembly the islamic mm-hmm. consultative assembly unicameral that's the elected body right and then they have yeah. the supreme leader in the executive branch they have a president and a supreme leader also known as the ayatollah mm-hmm. and then they have a judicial branch which is kind of like ours they have a supreme court and all that stuff Um, And it is the legislative branch, which is actually elected. The head of the Supreme Leader is appointed by the Assembly of Experts, which is a bunch of Mm -hmm. non-secular posts (laughs) that are not elected. Yeah. Uh, and the president is also elected in, in yeah in the same way that the house the the assembly is also elected like they're yeah. very highly vetted yeah so we talked about this back in 2016 but to recap if you're not a long time listener is that <laughs> to even run for office right there are five requirements that you have to meet mm-hmm. and you can't just choose to meet all of them it is decided whether or not you do meet them by the election committee some mm-hmm. of them seem simple like being an iranian citizen but if you're a dual citizen iran doesn't recognize dual citizenship <laughs> which can be <laughs> so confusing. you probably are yeah. <laughs> um, so you also have to be a supporter of the islamic republic pledging loyalty to constitution which is pretty typical right yeah like you have I mean, to in yeah to become a canadian citizen you pledge loyalty you to, the swear queen, fealty so... to the queen right yeah. pledge of allegiance in the u.s all that stuff now, third, you have to be a practicing Muslim unless you're yeah. running to represent the religious minorities because there are five yeah. reserved seats for the Zoroastrians, Jews, Assyrian, and Chaldean Christians, and as well as two seats for Armenians. Now, the fourth is, I think, where we would fall. Mm-hmm. Well, we are not Iranian citizens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we lost out at and, the start and... and we may or may not be practicing muslims we don't get into mm-hmm. religion often on the pod it's not not important uh but <laughs> we do have a notorious reputation i think yes i think uh but well maybe uh but also just by <laughs> nature of that being like what does that mean exactly uh yeah sure we can have a notorious reputation <laughs> yes the uh yeah requirement number four is to not have a, a notorious represent uh reputation and also yeah. number five we miss it, out by being in good health between 30 and 75 yeah i feel like uh like i feel like the 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 fourth point is like and then you get to the fifth point it's like well why are we going to the gym i been trying to be in good health but it turns out notorious reputation uh, screw it. it turns out notorious reputation got him again oh <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we actually don't meet a single one of these five requirements. No, no we don't. <laughs> I mean, in theory, and this would be... No, I we're, don't think we could. We're not we even close. I mean, we could no. represent one of the religious minorities, I guess, if we became Iranian citizens, waited five years, and uh, got rid of our notorious representations earned from the pod. In any case... <laughs> 
In any case, there's 285 seats up for election here and those five for the religious minorities. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And who can run is governed by these five qualifications. And there, let me tell you, Kaylee, is news regarding who can run. Because Mm -hmm. out of the 16,000 people who signed up to run for these 285 seats, over 9,000 were blocked because they're not good. Yeah, I mean, it could be any of these five points. Probably the easiest one is Notorious Reputation. Yeah, they're generally just like, uh, no, you don't meet the requirements. Or they say, you don't support Islam. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to run. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess, like, and the big point of that, so, like, it's, like, 9,000 people. But it is, like, also a very specific group. 90% of reformist candidates were purged. Like, they couldn't. Yes. They, they were run. Some were even incumbents, so they ran the last time yeah, and so they can't run this time. 90% of the incumbent reformists can't, oh, are, yeah, are not able to. So they're actually people in this legislature now. Mm-hmm. They can't run. They yes. can't rerun. Uh, so what's the verdict? Not free and fair. Uh, yeah i think that that's not gonna surprise listeners that much i think the the intricacy of it why it's not free and fair is is something we should we can delve into a bit more but this is the big one yeah that you it's just very easy to write off a candidate and say you can't run but i mean kaylee yeah what delve all right all right i'm getting it's a it's a ramp up uh (laughs) Like, because I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there's also like, in we're getting into like, what does it mean to have a notorious reputation? Well, like uh, the MP said, DG, sorry if I botched that, was saying that like there are middlemen who are, who are offering candidates, if they pay like a bribe, they could get in and they could run, but they, yeah, they were refusing to pay the bribe. And yeah. it just gives like, you know, the, there's the Guardian Council who we, t- we didn't also dive into very much but is like a combination of like religious elected uh, religious officials and nominated by the ayatollah um and who is the supreme leader um and and get to decide on who has a notorious reputation and then it there's just like a lot of like well we just don't like them so let's not let them run. And then I think it's very easy to see how like things like bribes can come into play in this. And it clearly has because he was he was able to he was he recorded it, I guess. Uh, I didn't hear any recordings, but apparently there is a recording. But yeah, so but the, the important thing to note is that in 2016, there were a lot of ref- the reformists did very well. Uh, and there were a lot of reformist candidates who were allowed to run. Um, and so yes. there was like a real moment of like. It's like it, it, 2016 when we covered it, and I don't think the episode that we recorded on that is still up, but it was, I remember when we were talking about it, we were like, this could be a moment. This could be a big moment of change. Iran has a very young population, it is very highly educated, um, and they had been sort of like bristling under the, the restrictions and the uh, the barriers placed on them they, they you couldn't uh, to barriers to international trade and tariffs and stuff that were being placed on mm-hmm. uh, on them by the u.s and a lot of western countries um so the stagnation that had occurred resulted in a big turnout a lot of reformists got in a lot of the 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 ayatollah and the 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 sort of religious leadership uh was kind of forced to recognize that a change kind of needed to start to happen, especially with the U.S. coming to the table on the Iranian nuclear deal. 
Um, so it was a big moment and a lot of people came in to elect. And then now we are in this moment and the, uh, it's, it's sort of a big moment, but for the opposite reason, uh, the nuclear deal is, is, is essentially done. They were at very yep. high tensions with the U S all the barriers are back up. Uh, there's a growing number of un- unemployed, highly educated young people. Um, they elected a whole bunch of reformists. The reformists couldn't do anything, and they didn't. They didn't really meet any of their promises, both because of the the restrictions of the government style, but they also just, in some ways, just didn't live up to it. I guess. Um, so there's a lot of it's a it's a big election in that way, and there's a lot of people who could come out and vote for reformist candidates um, that could sort of either help keep Iran. You, you optimistically you'd think you'd hope maybe help carry Iran on to become a more open, more f- free country. Um, but also could just keep it from becoming even more hardline and, uh, more conservative, uh, and, and maybe less democratic. So we're at sort of mm-hmm. a, a twist moment of will, will people go vote? It doesn't really look like it. Yeah, because we kind of saw we we saw a change, right? A, a pretty strong mm-hmm. change back in twenty sixteen, and this is really determining whether or not we stay on that track. Well, we won't stay on that track, but whether or not how how much we return to mm-hmm. how much we reject that uh, adoption of reformism in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. And so, watch this one, but hey, watch the next one too, right? That's what we always yeah, say. I, yeah. It's always it's like it's very because we de- yeah we were definitely like very like oh maybe this will be a big moment but also you, you always hedge your bets with with a country that doesn't have an has well, this type of document democracy but this is the thing it's it's that this really it really did seem that way but it's not even often the country that we're talking about necessarily that decides what happens mm-hmm. it's so much especially with a country like iran how much like nobody could have especially us <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. nobody was going to predict uh donald trump and the effect of mm-hmm. the american administration and their foreign policy and what that was going to do to the the iran deal, yeah right like that was that was a complete turnaround from what the iran deal was and what it could have been and what iran could have been doing now and so who knows who knows what could, by 2024 we could have a complete reversal again yeah and i think it's also like maybe maybe not and so then i and i think it's like also useful to like highlight like we know all these like these big events that have happened relating to Iran, primarily from the U.S.'s uh, and our like sort of the Western perspective of um, there had been some there had been some unrest uh, and uh, a lot of people were killed, like three hundred people were killed in Iran by um, their uh, military force there uh, for protesting the economic and political conditions that there that, you know there are there is deep dissatisfaction. Uh, a lot of you know journalists are being arre- journalists get arrested. Human rights uh, abuses are uh, very prevalent. It's a big uh, th- and and they're not really just taking it, which I think can sort of be the perception from sort of Western media is that like it's like mm-hmm. this and they're all just kind of going with it. But there was there were big protests and they think three about three hundred lives were lost. And then uh, the U.S. assassinated one of their generals. Um, and that seemed to be sort of like a rallying point where people got behind, uh, 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 or maybe like a rallying point against the U.S. But then when that the yeah. plane went down, um, 
I was reading like the like the Rouhani, who's the president, uh, didn't didn't yeah. know what had happened exactly, but the Ayatollah did, and there was not clear communication of information, and then he demanded that they release what happened, and then just widespread protests and upset over what had happened, uh, and and the government's like the government's uh, dishonesty and general uh, lack of transparency. So I think, I think just like the way that there, there's a lot happening in the country and it's it's internal and we don't yeah. always see it. I guess despite the internal nature mm-hmm. of these types of things, when an election like this happens, it makes it very public. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> we get to see we get to see into what the populace is doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, not so clearly as we might if there was everybody running who wanted to and there was a more free process. But even so, seeing even the number of people who are barred from running Mm -hmm. gives us information into that type of into those sentiments in the country. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we see a big appetite. Yeah. Right. That that's what that tells us. Yeah. Uh, Before even any votes are cast. And it'll be very. Yeah. The future is is maybe not decided and yeah we'll see not even close let's let's not make any predictions because i don't want to be wrong (laughs) (laughs) she's got to be the best at being wrong that's how you get oh yeah okay this election this election iran will be totally uh legitimate democracy hey it's gonna be don't say it kelly you want to talk about legit democracy (laughs) let's talk about the united nations Hmm. That's an interesting segue. Legit democracy, <laughs> UN, eh, Security Council. We don't need to get into it. Uh... <laughs> a favorite topic of the pod to not talk about. <laughs> uh, so we got Antonio Gutierrez. Yeah. Still being our guy. Still going around the world. Still zipping from country to country. Yeah. And I'm not sure you have something to talk about this week that really was antonio's doing normally he's somewhere giving a big speech or trying to set it around table what happened this week okay so i mean he didn't make <laughs> so this week uh i thought it would be nice because we can use this segment to mark that it was also on february 11th it was uh women in, it was international day of women in science um and i thought yes. that would be good to mark because we now also have this whole space news segment so you know there... what do you mean now we've had it forever <laughs> it's from the very first pod. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I mean, we are committed. We've we've demonstrated that we are equally. We're very committed to science. Uh, big fans, um, and so it was. It was International Day of Women in Science on February 11th, and Antonio Gutierrez, the Secretary General, uh, was around promoting uh, the importance of education, the education of adolescent girls, particularly in uh, the fields of science and technology as like a foundational principle of meeting the sustainable development goals. Um, And he sort of, he really, he spoke a lot to, um, I guess, I think it might be driven by Ireland, but like, so the drive for five, which is a global call to action for all governments to commit to five transformative actions uh, which is 12 years of free quality education, support of school environments, teacher training, uh, safe travel to and from school, and keeping girls healthy and safe in the classroom, which is all, you know, very important to developing safe and uh, successful education systems, I, w- I would say. Um, it's also a big year. It's uh, 2020 is the 25th anniversary of the Beijing Conference on Women. 
which was sort of a landmark conference in terms of uh, women and gender equality uh, work that's being done in, at the international level mm-hmm. um and uh i think that and with the lead singer of u2 bono the secretary general uh <laughs> a noted woman in science <laughs> yeah there, there's like a video at the end of one of the articles <laughs> i read where they're like talking to him and he's like yes so as a notable woman and scientist i <laughs> and he just like his answer is just like it's a it's a fine answer but it's very much like i not really i don't know uh anyway <laughs> here's my friend named the edge what's up um <laughs> uh, yeah anyway gutierrez says we got to work on you know addressing deeply rooted stereotypes and social norms that are sort of making women and girls uh, making it so women and girls don't see themselves in the education spheres and in science and technology um, as one of the big things that he said. And then also he's uh, really pointing to the fact that, uh, you know, we've got a lot of big challenges uh, facing us and uh, we're not really going to do it if we don't have every single uh, scientist we can, we can make working on it, I guess, is the, that seemed to be the big point that he was making. So that seemed hmm. nice. Ah, man. Gutierrez is always big picture guy. Eh? Yeah, I, wow. I think it's a really big picture job. <laughs> I don't think you can... If you get in the weeds, you're going to miss something. That'd be nice, eh? You just walk in a room. We need more scientists working on what? Well, you know. Yeah. Problems. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. That's great insight, Antonio. Thanks. Uh, I, yeah, I like that he does get to go. He gets to go to these... <laughs> these kind all the countries and be like here are five things you have to do let's all do them <laughs> they're like wash our hands more really he's like that'll help <laughs> <laughs> but look you know we plateaued uh carbon emissions this year we you yes, know thanks. it's it's this it's this big picture thinking you know the big idea anyway <laughs> anyway <laughs> i i don't know yes yeah Yes. We, yeah, we talked about this Women in Science Day on February 11th. Um, we talked about a uh, lab mate of mine shared a Woman in Science quote on his Instagram. And then we talked about what that quote meant together. Oh, interesting. So that that was our marking of <laughs> the day. Uh, yeah, I think I just like read some... I had to like... Uh, I was doing a social post for work, but then I was, I was also like reading just uh, about various women who've done very cool things and that's how i marked it well <laughs> kayla do you want to hear about an, a singular woman in science oh, let's bring it back to earth i think the only thing yeah that's like my favorite thing about science is singular stories of women doing cool things roll the audio space news space news uh <laughs> so this week on space news we have uh okay i lied I lied to you. Oh. This is not a singular woman. This is actually 50,000 people. <laughs> well, Many of whom I'm sure are women. <laughs> or at least some. Uh, so this is, this is actually a story that I wanted to cover because it's about citizen science. So it's about people, mm-hmm. everyday people, mm-hmm. like our listeners, mm-hmm. many of whom are professional scientists. <laughs> but... <laughs> But for those of you who are not mm-hmm. pursuing advanced degrees in science, who also listen to this show, um, citizen science is where uh, scientists have a big problem and they don't have enough undergrads to solve it. Uh, and so they turn to normal people. 
uh, who get paid even less. Do they like experiment they ask them, them or are they just... No. So uh, in this particular uh, citizen science project called Backyard Worlds, oh, okay. Planet Nine. That's the actual name of the uh, consortium. Uh, so it's it's basically they're trying to see if there's a ninth planet in our solar mm-hmm, system mm-hmm. that is really far away and really faint so we can't see yeah. it. And, you know, there's very small perturbations in our gravity, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about that. We don't even know if there's a ninth planet, right? Outside, past past the Kuiper belt. Yeah, I like yeah. I, I really thought we had this nailed down. Kind of like we know how many well, oceans there are, that sort of thing. Hey, that's uh, contested. We don't even know how many continents there are. Uh, well, like four, yeah. five, six, seven. I think it's right? That's difficult. Continents is like, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oceans—they all touch. So, no yeah. one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> off track. Anyway, so the whole point of this is to try and find this um, ninth planet, and so they get—they basically take four million pictures. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's. You're, we're trying to find faint things that move in the sky from year to mm-hmm. year. So they have all the stars lined up and they're like, hey, can you look between these two pictures that they call a flip book, mm-hmm. flip back and forth. And if you see a weird little smudge move, please tell us, mm-hmm. let us know. All right. And so there's like 50,000 people who just do this in their spare time because why not? Oh, yeah, right? I mean, hobbies. <laughs> why not? And so they actually found uh, a little blip, mm-hmm. a weird blip. It turns out that it was not... A planet in uh the solar system it was actually 78 light years away which is quite a distance <laughs> um and what they found was two brown dwarf stars mm-hmm. which were like hey brown dwarfs are pretty small i'll get into that when you ask hey alex yeah. what's a brown yeah dwarf? what is <laughs> yeah, but wait <laughs> okay <laughs> but wait there's more uh and so they're kind of like really small objects mm-hmm. right not so small as you could hold them but quite small on an astronomical scale that i'll get into <laughs> soon uh and so these brown dwarfs are flying through the milky way galaxy which is the one in which we are yes and so these guys are moving along 340 astronomical units apart mm-hmm. so an astronomical unit is the distance between the earth and the sun which is about 93 million miles so if you multiply that by 340 you get a really big number and so these things are super far apart but also pretty small but inexorably linked that's exactly from this article okay. I wrote it. they are inexorably linked uh <laughs> so they 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 move around together even though you wouldn't think that something so small could move so fast yeah. and still be linked with this thing and not kind of like you know float mm-hmm. apart or whatever and so we kind of get this cool this is the these things these are the the faintest and furthest apart from each other objects like this ever found and it was found by just fifty thousand people looking at flip <laughs> just fifty thousand people yeah i <laughs> uh, yeah i mean on the scale but they're just yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they're just people on their computer like you could be one of the fifty thousand. Yeah, so in fact like, maybe we'll link to the project in the, in the as far as like newsletter qualifications go like i don't my notorious reputation is not gonna hold me back i can participate <laughs> <laughs> no your notorious reputation will not hold you back it's, it's it sounds uh, I, better i, I, I believe that the only requirements are that you have a computer mm-hmm. so you could go to your library or taxes pay for uh, those yeah. you could use the library computer and you have to be able to see the pictures mm. okay well so yeah i can see as long as you have reasonably good eyesight uh and the ability to use mm-hmm. interact with the computer you could be a scientist oh too. hey <laughs> 
Yeah. <sighs> this, is, this is much more accessible than uh, being elected to any position in Iran for me. Yeah. No, you could totally do this. Maybe we could have a uh, maybe we could have a, a, a tweet where we say, hey, guys, go do this. And maybe we could all look at a flip book together, okay. everybody at once. <laughs> and we could all say, nope, nothing there <laughs> and move on with our lives. Yeah. Is there, uh, yeah. Is there a way this is all connected? Not really. I can't see a through line through all our stories today. I guess. Uh, How not? Well, taxes, maybe. Taxes involved. In yeah. It? I mean, taxes pay for uh, projects like mm-hmm. this. I don't know how to tie your good news emissions into this, but also the UN had a lot to do with that. Uh, carbon totally tax. With that, talking about women in science. This is a, a woman in science doing this. The 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 the, the, the scientist that led mm-hmm. this was Jackie Faherty uh, at the American Museum of Natural History, oh. who is a, a PhD scientist who looks at brown dwarfs and exoplanets and the search for them. So kind of cool. Huh. Oh, by the way, brown dwarf yeah. is a little tiny star it's not a star it's not a star it's like no it's like a it's a coalescence Mm -hmm. of gas and dust right uh kind of okay so you know how like the earth is quite small sure yeah we're just we're a rock we're a rocky planet quite yeah um then we have gas giants in the outer solar system such as jupiter saturn neptune and uranus Mm -hmm. and so those are quite large Mm -hmm. Uh, on a planetary scale, they're about as big as you can get before you get into this uh, next phase, which is a brown dwarf, mm-hmm. um, which are larger than Jupiter's, and they do glow. Oh, and so they're they you can you can actually see them if you could see them with your eyes. They look like a a darkish brown, magenta, dark red type situation, huh. and so they're like fa- people call them failed stars. So they're real. So they're uh on the order of 10 times larger than jupiter and okay. more massive wow and so you get a brown dwarf it's not big enough to undergo nuclear fusion which is why stars shine brightly mm-hmm. because they have nuclear fusion pushing outwards and gravity pulling it to pulling everything in mm-hmm. which causes enough pressure to have this nuclear fusion brown dwarfs aren't big enough to have enough pressure to push all of their protons together to form mm. Uh, helium Uh, Uh, and so that's just you just kind of get this sad floating pretty big ball of gas (laughs) which you know i guess we can all identify as (laughs) yeah i mean some days you know (laughs) just uh just a lightly (laughs) glowing coalescence of gas and dust uh but yeah that's what a brown dwarf is it's just kind of a dust you know too small too small to be a star, too large to be a planet. Because most stars on the main sequence, which is the vast majority of stars, are just called dwarf stars generally. <laughs> so, like, our sun is a dwarf star. Yeah, I guess it seems small in comparison. Normal. Maybe. Yeah, it's very normal. Yeah. And most stars are normal, and for some reason they decided to call normal small. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, that's great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Excellent terminology there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hope that, uh, you, you know what this episode has left me? very. I feel very like curious about uh, the world. Like I feel like we've covered a lot of things. Where I'm like, this was cool. I want to know more. <laughs> Hey, if you want to know more and thought this was cool, make sure to subscribe <laughs> to the Probably About Politics newsletter by emailing us at probablyaboutpolitics at gmail.com or following us on Twitter at probpolitics or check out our Instagram at probpolitics where we'll post 
fun little extra explainers sometimes. We did one about Argentina, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, and kind of figure out, learn things about other things and get little teasers of our episodes on there. Yeah. But if you already love us, listen and subscribe. Make sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. You got it. Be that yeah. iTunes, Spotify, <laughs> Anchor, uh, Podbay, uh Podbean, whatever all of those other things are that I've literally never been on a platform, but I'm sure they're great. Thank you for hosting our content, and thank you for listening. I plan on subscribing immediately after recording this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Probably About Politics. Happy Valentine's Day! (laughs) (laughs) This will not be up before Valentine's Day. We love you. We love you all. Thanks for listening.